So my name's Mike. I'm married to one wife. I have two fantastic kids, Hope and Jesse. I lead a church called Glow in the southeast coast of England in a place called Margate. And if you watch Owning Fools and Horses, that's the place where they blew up the coach. And, um, and I also help oversee 24-7 prayer globally and, and with the privilege of serving with Alan in many different things. And it is such a joy to be here. I love Ireland. I absolutely love it. And, um, and the thing that I love about it is because actually the primary thing is the Lord seems to constantly be moving in this place. And um, I remember when the plans were being conspired for you to start here. And Al was sharing the plans and the hopes and the dreams. And then when you walk into the reality a year and a bit onwards, and you're like, this is amazing. But before I say anything, I want you to look to the person next to you. Look at them squarely in the face. And I want you to just say these words to them. I am better looking than you. (laughs) See, that made you all feel much better. You can now all go home and feel, I went to church and I was blessed today. Um, now what we're going to do this is I'm going to open the Bible up at Luke 19. I'm going to read through the story of Zacchaeus. Um, bear with me, I don't want to keep us for long today. Um, we want to party with baptisms. So this is what it says from verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short, like me, to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come quickly down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people there were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Here we have this story where Jesus is passing through a town and, and there, there is expectation. People have heard that Jesus is coming. They have, the news has traveled. People have run ahead. Jesus is coming. The miracle maker, the, the guy that heals the sick, the guy that he provides lunch for everyone at the side of a hill. He does party tricks with bread and fish. He turns water into wine. Jesus is coming. And they've run ahead. And so crowds have gathered to come and watch. Some people that have come, they've come to spectate. Like some of us probably today, we've come to watch a moment. And they're like, oh, I want, I'm curious about this Jesus. Some have come out because they've experienced Jesus earlier on in the road. And they're like, I want to spend time. I want to meet with Jesus. I want to hear Jesus. Others have come in complete desperation because their bodies are broken. They're sick. They're desperate. And they're hoping that this Jesus that can perform signs and wonders might touch them. And then there's others that have come thinking, I would love to meet Jesus. But there's no way he would be interested in someone like me, like Zacchaeus. And Jesus comes into the town and he knows that there's all kinds of different people. And here's Zacchaeus. 
He's wealthy. He's a tax collector. He's, that means he's not very popular. I mean, to be honest, who, who's self-employed here? Who likes the tax office? No one. You know, we bless them, but we don't like them. He was not a popular chap. And he, we know that he was a bit cheeky with his money because it says that he was rich. And that he actually admits if I've cheated anybody, he ha- would give money back. So we know that he was kind of naughty. And he comes up into this crowd and he is desperately hoping just to get a glimpse of Jesus. He's not, he's not even bothered about meeting Jesus. He's just, if I might see him. And in his shortness, he finds a tree and he climbs up a tree and to watch. And I, I mean, I work with a lot of wealthy people and I've never met one yet that's climbed up a tree. You know, I've met very posh wealthy people. And not, if I said to them, you know, would you climb a tree of me? They would say no. And here's Zacchaeus in his absolute desperation to just see Jesus. He climbs this tree. Jesus walks through the crowd and you could imagine there are all kinds of needs and there's all kinds of people. And there will definitely be people there that would expect to have an audience with Jesus. And yet Jesus walks along. I don't think he was rude. I imagine he was like smiling and roughing up kids' hairs and high and awkward walking through the town. And then he finds himself stopping at a tree and looking up at this short, I imagine a little bit podgy rich guy, Zacchaeus, and he actually knows Zacchaeus' name. And he says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today. You read in the story that there are people that then suddenly begin to complain. Why would he go and have dinner with Zacchaeus? Like in my like non-spiritual mood, I think Jesus was really smart. He clearly knew that Zacchaeus would put on a good feast. You know, his house would be cool. He'd have a nice toilet probably. He's like, let's go to Zacchaeus' house. In my spiritual view, I think Jesus just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. And he looked up at Zacchaeus and he was like, here is a man. He is just desperate to get a glimpse of me. And actually, I'm desperate to look him in the eye. And I'm desperate to sit at the same table with him, regardless of what he's done, regardless of what other people think. He is welcome at my table. In fact, the minute he invites himself to Zacchaeus' table, he makes it his table. You know, we come to church like that. We, we, we operate in our towns like that. We operate in our communities like that. Where actually we can even, the danger of judging those that are coming to explore and seek out the Lord. We, um, we like our churches to be tidy. We like our lives to be tidy. But actually humanity, the world, the prayer we've just prayed, it just identifies we live in a really messy place. Nothing, nothing is predictable anymore. When I became a Christian at 19, I mean, it's it's hard to believe. I look very holy and angelic and and nice. But when I grew up, I was a very, very, very naughty young man. And to the point that I actually got sent to live in another country for a, a couple of years because I was that naughty that I had a bounty on my life. And, um, and when I came back and I did life normally and I got a job like normal people and I behaved myself like normal people and I dressed like normal people and I was just living a life that was like normal people. And I found myself sitting down one day and thinking about the complexity of life and thinking, this is so boring. And I actually, this is what I thought. I sat on my girlfriend's bed, who I didn't marry, and... Um, <laughs> And I sat there and I literally looked up and I went, God, 
there's got to be more to life than this. That's actually what I said. It was even before the Alpha course had started. They stole it from me. And, um, and I, I heard a voice speak to me very gently and say, go to your mum's church. If you think that the Lord doesn't speak like that and he only speaks with thus, thee, thou, you're wrong. He'll speak in whatever way it takes to get your attention. And I sat there and I looked around the room. And if I'm honest, I thought that I'd, I was having a drug flashback. I was like, I've heard a voice and there's no one in the room. And I was like quietly panicking. I felt a bit like my heart was racing. And then I heard it again, go to your mum's church. And this is what I realized at that moment in time. I had tried most things to become content and satisfied. I did it the naughty way and I did it the right way and I did it the normal way. And nothing Nothing met that bit in my life of just being complete. Because actually way, way back in Genesis, when the Lord made people, he made them designed to have relationship with him. He made them to be aware of his life in them. And I just was not having that in my life. And so I'd make this decision to go to my mum's church. And it was, um, it was in the early 90s. And it was the kind of season where, where in the churches, everyone wore curtains, like Laura Ashley style church. And I remember telling my girlfriend, I'm going to church. And she just looked at me blankly like, why? And I was like, and I just said, you know, I've tried everything. And um, I just wonder whether I might get a glimpse of Jesus. And if he's real, I'm up for trying. I remember walking to the church and it was this long road into this old cinema that had been converted. And then it was a cinema that had this big staircase. And, uh, and everyone that went to church, they, if you're dressed smart, I commend you. This is it for me. I'm sorry. I, I just don't know how to do it smart. <laughs> and, um, and there was like a guy at the door and he had a suit on and he was like, you know, welcome. Well, he actually didn't do that. As I went in, I was wearing a baseball cap. He just went, get your hat off. And I was like, wow, <laughs> hello, Jesus. And, uh, and I, was so, I took my hat off and I thought, wow, I've just been shouted at. Then I went up this long, big staircase and then someone else went, mind your manners. And I'm like, I hadn't even spoken. <laughs> I'm like, what, you know, I'm, this is ridiculous. And then I went into the church and it had this massive aisle down the middle. And it was the kind of church that some of you would know this because you might do this yourselves where people would find the exact seat that they will sit in every single week. Can I just say this, that God is omnipresent. He's in every seat. It doesn't matter where you sit. He's not going to miss out. And, um, and my mum would sit third row from the front, third seat in. It's like a chess game. And I told my mum I was coming to church. So she told all of her Laura Ashley friends. And they were all there. And it was like the prodigals coming home. And I remember walking down this aisle. And there was two emotions going on. One, how do I get to my seat and not touch anybody? Because I just felt like I'd get infected by something. And then two, I could feel the emotion of everyone watching me. I could feel people's disapproval. You don't belong here. The truth is I didn't. I absolutely didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember walking down and it felt like this long mile. And then at the end of the end of the aisle was my mum and her mates literally dribbling with joy at the sun coming to church. And I was like, I then I squeezed along these cinema seats and I sat down and I was just like, right, this is it. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna breathe. I'm just gonna see if God's here. 
and they sang their songs and they danced and they did weird stuff with flags and if you do flags we I love you bless you I I don't and um and they like they did this kind of like you know the white man's dance where they skipped where they you know where you jump your body and only the bottom parts of your legs flick out honestly it is an art form and I was watching this and I'm sitting there and my girlfriend came with me and she was looking at me thinking what have you brought me to this is ridiculous and then this guy gets up his name's Martin and he begins to talk about Jesus as a friend and a life companion as well as the guy that would forgive my brokenness and it made sense but even though it made sense I made a decision there and then I'm I am not becoming a Christian because everything else is too weird and I feel judged I felt like Zacchaeus up a tree and I just sat there like this I folded my arms and I like my palms I remember were so sweaty and I was like, I'm not, I'm doing nothing and I'm sitting there. But I could then begin to feel the, the, the older ladies. I could feel their prayers. And I'm like, don't pray for me, <laughs> please. And, um, and this guy says, if you want a relationship with Jesus, if you want Jesus to pilgrim life with you, if you want to start this friendship that you were made for, then I, I'd like you to put your hand in the air. And I sat there like this. And I was like, my heart was racing. My mind's going crazy. And then as I opened my eyes, my, my hands had gone up. It's like my body had defied my mind. And some of you are thinking that's ridiculous. It is, you're right. But that's what happened. And I was there and I literally had a conversation with my hand. Because I looked up and I was like, what are you doing there? And it was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're Pentecostal, praise the Lord. And, um, and I was looking at my hand. And then, and then I heard these words. Is Praise Jesus. Someone has given their life to the Lord today. And I'm looking at my hand going, what have you done? And my girlfriend's looking at me going, what have you done? And then my mum's there with her mates. And they, the, you think they were dribbling when I came in, just the dribble of joy. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I thought, okay, well, I'm in. I'm, let's try this out. And then he does this. He says, why don't you come to the front? There's like 500 people there. And I'm like, that is cruel. And then and it, there was no, op- you don't say no. You're just like, okay. And then my legs decided to stand. And I'm like, wow. And I remember going up to the front and I leant into Martin's ear. And they knew that I was quite a notorious, naughty villain that was trying to figure their life out. And I, I leant into his ear and I said, Martin, what you said was beautiful. And I said, and if the Lord shows up when we pray, you've got me for life. And if he doesn't, thank you very much, but I won't be coming back. No pressure. And he just calmly looked at me and well, let's pray. And I remember praying the prayer of what we would say, the prayer of salvation. It's a prayer where you invite Jesus into your life. Because Jesus is kind and he's a gentleman and he will come on invitation. He doesn't force himself onto us. We're organized religion. We find ourselves when we get too organized, we're forcing the Lord onto things. He comes at invitation. And I remember as I prayed and I had my eyes shut and I'm like, really, Lord, not quite sure what I'm doing, but this feels right. And as I prayed, I felt a transaction in my heart where the heaviness and the hollowness of just doing life without him just changed I felt full I felt content and when I opened my eyes this is a bizarre thing it's like I saw everything in HD in those days you would say technicolor but now it's HD it was like everyone like was colorful it was amazing and I was like whoa 
this is crazy. And then I began a journey to get to know the Lord, of which 22 years on, I'm still getting to know Jesus. But the reason this story is important is because actually many of us are like Zacchaeus, where we, we actually do want a glimpse of Jesus. We just don't realize he wants a glimpse of us as well. And the reason that we don't connect is we already feel judged. For those of you of the church, just for, for Porter Down in this church, that this is your church, we must be careful to not judge. You know, when you look in the mirror, to be honest, you're not that good looking. Okay? The Lord loves you as you are, and he's not judging you. He's journeying with you. And actually, we have to remember to extend that to anybody. And for those of us who are like, well, I don't really know this Jesus in that way, and this is just weird, and it's Sunday morning, and if I was going to church, I'd go into a more, I'd go into a church. I've walked into a shopping centre through two black curtains, and there's a birthing pool in front of me. Let's be honest, that is weird, you know. But it's actually, it's alive, it's a vibrant. You hear the stories, you listen to the worship, and then you get some idiot like me here that you can get past me quickly. But it's, of course, it's like, wow. But then inside, there's this thing of like, but I want to know the Lord. I want to know him Monday to Friday, not just Saturday and Sunday. I want to know him in my decisions. I want to know him in my failures. I want to know him in my successes. I, I want him to call me down from the tree. So I go from observation mode to encounter mode, where I would encounter Jesus for myself, that I'm not living off someone else's story. I, I get to create my own. And there are some incredible people that I know that they know the Lord so, so well. But, you know, I just love the way that I'm getting to know him. Some of it's really good and some of it's uh, I need help from friends like Al and others to go, probably your thinking's is not quite right. I need, fr I need to do the journey with Jesus that knowing that I'm going to fail him. And yet in his kindness, he says, it's all right, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to br brush the dust off of you and we continue the journey. If you think that's not true, think about Peter. Peter, not only does he deny Jesus three times, you know, a little bit before, he kind of completely revokes the journey of peace and blessing and cuts the guy's ear off. And, it, and Jesus is like, you know, amazing party trick. He's like, Peter, that's not the way we roll here. And then he heals the guy. And then the guy's ear comes back. That would be fun to see. And Peter's like, oh, I really blew it, didn't I, Jesus? And Jesus is like, yeah, you cut a guy's ear off. You know, dude, it's, we don't do that. And, um, and then he just denies Jesus. And then after Jesus comes back to life, what does he do? He makes breakfast for Peter on the beach. You know, if someone denied me three times, I probably wouldn't be making them breakfast. And if I did, I would definitely spit in it. Think about it. I'd be like, I'm, I, I don't like you. You didn't stand up for me. But Peter comes and Jesus doesn't do that. He makes a beautiful breakfast and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, you know I do, Lord, even in all the failure. And he says, feed my sheep. And then he says it again. He's like, Peter, do you love me? By this, I think Peter just thought, thinks, oh, Jesus just wants to really feel the love now. And Peter goes, you know I do, Lord. And then, and then Jesus says, Peter, do you, do you love me? And he's like, Lord, I do love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. Three times he calls him to serve the church after a place of incredible failure. And Peter fumbles through the book of Acts, to be honest. And it's brilliant because it's, that's life we fumble through knowing that Jesus is like, come on, come on, come on. 
I'd like to say that after I became a Christian, that I started to wear a shirt and a tie and trousers at church. I didn't actually. I shaved my head, and um, that's I and I was a skinhead in church for a while. Not the conventional thing to do in a Pentecostal church. I'd like to say that I attended Tuesday morning Bible classes and I was the best prayer ever. And I didn't. I struggled because whenever I sat in front of the Bible and they'd say, let's turn to this book. By the time I got there, they'd already moved on because I was just confused with the Bible. I couldn't even find the contents page with the numbers at the front. I'd like to say that I, I had like, I, I walked around with a glow of white radiant glory. I didn't. I still smelled of cigarettes and was working out the brokenness in my life. But what didn't change is that Jesus kept on beckoning me down from the tree and saying, come on, I want to sit with you. I want to eat with you. I want to do life with you without judging me. There were times where you get that conviction of I am doing wrong. And the Lord would be like, well, let's work that out. But the last time I looked when I disciplined my children, I do it with a stick. No, I don't do it with a stick. When I discipline my kids, I sit them down and we, we educate each other as to what is right and what is wrong. By punishing them, it means nothing. They learn nothing other than fear. By loving them through their choices, they, they find their journey with the Lord. My son gave his life to Jesus last week. He made his decision at 15, which will probably be the first of many, to be fair. And, and he walks into the church and he says to me, Dad, and I can't say the word here, but it, it's a swear word. He goes, I've really up. And I was like, wow. And I said, and I do every day, son. And he just looked at me and he's like, okay, you know, you lead the church? I'm like, yeah. But Jesus beckons me down from the tree and puts me back at the table. What ultimately happens is that Jesus loves above our rules. Why am I saying this? Just because actually the way, the way a town will encounter Jesus is if when you begin to love above the rules. The way that you will encounter Jesus is to accept that he loves above your rules. Love above the rules kind of displaces our idea of what church looks like and, and religion. Because Jesus is not religious. Jesus is life. And even though that we have, we can associate the word religion with church and the practice of what we do. Actually, Jesus, he, didn't never, he never started church. He started discipling and friendship with people one by one by one. He did life with you. That's what we're made for. And the Lord wants to love you above the rules. That doesn't mean that we can go and live whatever way we want. It means that we begin a journey with the Lord, that his life gets worked out in us, and we might make mistakes along the way, and it's, it's okay. It also means that we embrace the most crazy dynamics that happen, and it's okay. Like, um, <laughs> one tiny story before we finish of loving above the rules. There's a, there's a guy in our church who came to know the Lord um, around, around a, a year ago. And he, um, he has the most amazing mobility scooter. And, um, and I call him Mobility Mike. That's, my, that's what I call him. And he just calls me Mike. And, um, and Mike's had a beautiful encounter with the Lord but um, he's still working out what it means to follow Jesus really well to the point that I caught him buying my son cigarettes. I'm the pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And everything in me just wanted to just knock him out and just say, how dare you do that? And, and just be angry. 
And then I just remember, like, Ash, I've got to love this guy through. And I sat down with Mike and I said, I was like, Mike, can you, can you tell me what, what is wrong with this situation? And he said, I didn't ask your permission. I was like, no, Mike. I said, you don't buy kids cigarettes. That's what's wrong with this situation. Then you need to ask my permission. And, um, and he's like, right. And I said, Jesus, Jesus has better um, life than this for you, for others. And I remember looking at him and him being slightly disappointed with himself and just saying, Mike, you're on a journey. And to be honest, as a dad, still everything in me wanted to just explode. But actually the Jesus part was like, we travel with you. You, you just can't, you can't do that anymore. And then I listed loads of other things like you can't sell drugs, you can't sell alcohol. You can't. And I was just said, I'm just going to do the whole lot now. So we've got that clear. Because life is messy. It's actually not clean. By the way, if your church is squeaky clean, it's not a church. It's a clinic. You don't want to be a clinic. Clinics smell horrible. And if you like the smell of clinics, you're really strange. But the fact is it should be a little bit broken, a little bit messy, a little bit wild, and a whole lot of wonderful. We have to love above the rules. And Mike is doing just fine. The last time I was in church with him, he was wearing a glow jumper and he was serving hospitality from his scooter. I was trying to work out the health and safety around that. And then I just gave up and thought, it's fine. And, um, it's, you know, every time we do a response, he's the one that reverses. And it's a beep, beep, beep. You know, anyone want to respond to Jesus? Beep, beep. And you just go, right, okay, this is just messy. The Lord embraces us in our mess. So what do we do with that as I finish up? It's really simple. You know, I'd, I'd like to ask you if you're able to, to stand up. And in where you're standing, I'd like you, if you are willing, to close your eyes. And the only reason I'm asking you to do that is I want you to create your only, own space of privacy. And in that own space of privacy, there are, there are two things we're going to do. The first one is actually, for, for those of you that you, you've never actually given Jesus the opportunity to come and pilgrim life with you and come and make straight the things that are wrong and sort out the broken bits. You've never actually said, Jesus, can we sit at the same table of life together? A Christian isn't someone that traditionally goes to church or has gone to Sunday school or goes to church at Christmas and Easter. A Christian is someone that invites the Lord Jesus into their life and says, come, let us share life together. My life's not perfect. You died for the things that are not good and you live for the things that are right for me. It's an invitation. And, you know, for you, with your eyes closed, maybe that's what you need to do. And so we're going to invite Jesus together. It's really simple. We're going to pray this prayer together, every one of us. And maybe you need to pray that for you for the first time. You need to pray it like you mean it for you. So just pray this simple prayer of me. Lord Jesus, I'm not perfect and I'm not very good at this. But today, I invite you to start a journey with me. Forgive me for the things that I've done wrong. Cheer me on for the things that I do well. I thank you at the cross. You died for my brokenness and sin. But at the resurrection, you now live for me. I give you permission to be my Lord. Amen. 
And just where you are, I want you to keep your eyes bowed. And it's just me with my eyes open. If you prayed that for you today, I want you to do one other thing. I want you to do what I had to do and put your hand in the air while everyone else has got their heads bowed. The only reason I want to do that is I want to pray for you. But you've got to put it right up in the air, just like Jesus had to be right up there on the cross. So, Father, I pray for those that are in this room right now with their hands up. And I thank you that you will come and encounter with them and you will begin your journey with them. But, Lord, I pray, help us to learn how to come and sit at your table every day and do life with you and you with us. Holy Spirit, would you come and have a transformational moment with those lives? For the rest of us that this church is our home, I actually want you to make a decision in your heart to be a place that loves above the rules. Love above the rules will bring revival to our towns, then our cities, and then our nation. And Porter Down, you are a church that's called to be in revival because of your love for others. Learn to celebrate those that are doing well and cheer them on even more. But if anything, pay attention of how to love above the rules. Above politics, above tradition, above preference, above the mess. Because you're going to have it all. And Lord, I pray for this congregation as it continues to grow, as it continues to flourish, that as you cut them through the DNA, that in the DNA would be a love that knows no boundaries, that is excessive in generosity, that calls people down from the trees and sits them at tables, that celebrates every single individual life that walks through these doors and walks through these corridors and walks in this community. Lord, we say your kingdom come in its fullness of love. Your will be done in its expression of love. Imported down as it is in heaven. Amen.